Today is part two of last week's message. Last week I spoke on, I gave it the title, um, A Forgotten Fear. And this week I felt like I was supposed to carry on in this theme. And so today's title is Fearing God, the Doorway to Worship. And so I want you to open up to Psalm 63. I'm not going to read the whole psalm. I'm going to read the first eight verses. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed, And meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. And your right hand upholds me. Amen. When was the last time that you were in a wilderness experience and praise just rolled off your lips like this? As you listen to these words spoken from David... When he was in the wilderness of Judah, it's obvious that David has kindled a relationship with God. He has a deep level of relational intimacy with the Father. They've been on a journey together. And he's discovered the steadfast love of the Lord. He's found a place of refuge in God. And he's learned to trust him, that he's dependable, he can trust him. And as David sits in the wilderness... He remembers worshiping in the sanctuary. We can all relate to that. We remember what it was like to be together, worshiping together. And yet he lived his life in such a way that he didn't have to be in the sanctuary to worship. He wasn't simply a Sunday Christian. In fact, he understood what it was for the sweetness of worship to come off his lips in the midst of the wilderness. He authored sacrifices of praise. As you take in this psalm today, as you think about David's life, a worshiper, would you consider yourself to be a worshiper today? When life doesn't go as planned, Does the praise of God still find a place of expression from within you? Or has a life of praise been difficult for you to walk in? Has the enemy whispered to you just like he spoke to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Has he succeeded to cause uncertainty in your heart towards the words of God? Has he caused you to doubt God's promises? Has he cast doubt upon who God is and stolen away your heart of praise, your heart of worship? You see, David was a worshiper at heart. His relationship with God was deeply personal. He was loyal to God. He was so loyal to God that 
as a teenager, he rose up in courage against Goliath to fight him, to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the, the armies of the living God? You see, David learned as a young boy, as he tended the sheep, he learned that it was God who saved him from the lion. He learned that it was God who equipped him to be rescued by the bear, from the bear. And he knew surely again that his God would rescue him from a mocking giant. God said this about David in Acts chapter 13, 22. It was recorded. And God said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. You see, God drew David to himself and David responded to that invitation of a relationship. In fact, he dove in, emotions and all. And because of it, he found God. He knew what it was to be in the hiding place with God. He was fully engaged with that relationship. And so he experientially began to know God as his sustainer, as his helper, as his friend. He discovered through difficulties, he discovered through trials, through wilderness experiences, how faithful God really was. That God was a refuge he could be counted on. And so his worship that we see through so many psalms, it was rich, it was sweet, it was profound. Because it came from this depth of longing for the living God. We know that he was so passionate about praising God that he didn't care how undignified he was at times. And David certainly was not a perfect man. We know that. And he knew it. And he had experienced the terrible effects of his sin and of the Lord's discipline. Yet he was an honest worshiper. He was a humble servant. And when he was confronted with his sin... Psalm 51 records his cry for mercy. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. He repented. You know what I love about David, though? He didn't allow his sin to take him out of the game. Instead, in his humility, that place of sin became yet another place for his relationship with God to grow, for where he could learn more about who God was. And as he received mercy from his father, out of the depths of that costly sin came this experience for him to be known on a deeper level, known and yet still received by the father, still accepted. Still loved. And so David, he could worship, he could praise God all the more because through his sin he found grace. As I was writing this week and praying through this message, I thought about some of us who are still living outside of the game, so to speak. Our praise is lying dormant because we can't get over the sins of our past or the sins of last week. Our worship has come to our halt. And our shame and our pride are keeping us in bondage, thinking that we're no longer worthy. 
But I have a news flash for you today. Even on your best day, you are never worthy. That is the beauty of the gospel message. That is the beauty of grace. We never were worthy even on our best day, and we never have to be because he is. And so you can just receive him. You can humble yourself, repent. You can, in humility, receive that forgiveness and put the sin in the past and be reinstated as a son or a daughter of the king today. Don't let the enemy torment you and whisper and cause doubt. Did God really say? Did he really say he loved you? Did he really say he'd forgive you? Don't listen to that. Receive the truth of the gospel message today that Christ came and died for your sins and that you can receive it and be set free today. I want us to move on and we're going to look at some characteristics of someone who fears the Lord and the blessings that are poured out upon those who are God-fearers, God-fearing individuals. And these lists are not going to be extensive (laughs) We could actually be here for a long time if we were to list all the characteristics of people who fear the Lord. And there's some of them I spoke of last week. But in addition, there's also walking in the fruit of the Spirit. There's so many even right there. But a God-fearer, they will be wise. They'll have knowledge. They'll know who God is above all else. They're going to love the Word of God. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. And I spoke last week that those who fear God are going to hate sin. They're going to hate what God hates. And yet at the same time, they're going to love what God loves. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. And Job, he was an example of one who hated evil. It says he turned away from evil and he held fast to his integrity. And Job said that fearing God is where you're going to find your confidence. A God-fearer is going to walk in humility. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. You see, God-fearers are going to also walk in obedience. Even if what God is asking of us doesn't make sense. Last week I talked about Abraham. God asked him to be obedient to take his son and sacrifice him. And Abraham did not doubt God's promise that through his wife, Sarah, they would have a child, Isaac, and that through Isaac, him and his wife would become the father and mother of nations. And so he held on to that promise, and he obeyed. And he just trusted that God had a way that he didn't see, that he didn't understand. He didn't take the bait of the enemy and put more faith in the words of what the enemy's doubting words were. He, he put his faith in the words of God. God-fearers, we see in Nehemiah 7 verse 2 that God-fearers can be trusted with leadership. It 
says, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. You see, for someone who's God-fearing, you can actually trust that they're not about their own agenda. You can place them in place and put them in places of leadership because they want to do the will of God. That's their primary motivation. Paul tells us to make holiness perfect in the fear of the Lord. And so one who fears the Lord, we're committed to walking in holiness, to allowing the spirit to bring that place of sanctification in our lives. Where we see our sin, we see the ugliness, and we say, oh God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. We're committed to allowing the spirit to remove those places of sin and bring in the life of the spirit. You see, if you're a God fear, you're going to believe that there's freedom for you in the spirit. And you're going to move towards that freedom. Allowing God to break you free out of strongholds. Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10, he was one who feared God. And his characteristic was that he was generous. And he prayed continually. A God-fearer trusts in the Lord. Psalm 115, verse 11. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. I'm going to read some verses now about the blessings of the Lord, and they're not going to be on the screen. So I want you today to, if you need, sit on your couch, wherever you're at, close your eyes, and allow the truths of these words, the truth of Scripture to soak into your spirit, into your being this morning, and receive those words that are for you. You see, the Lord, it says in Psalm 115 that he will bless those who fear him. So let's look at what some of these blessings are. Mary says in Luke 150, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Psalm 145, 19, he will fulfill the desires of those who fear, fear him. He will also hear their cry and he will save them. Psalm 85, 9, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he rescues them. Psalm 33, 18 and 19, behold, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Proverbs 19:23 The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied untouched by evil. Amen. Psalm 31:19 says how great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you He will be your refuge today church Psalm 103 For as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. 
but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. And I want to close off with Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That's a good word right there. It'll be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. For some of you today, praise may be dormant in your life. But you know, praise on your lips will actually be the antidote to the dryness in your bones. But how do we get to that point of relationship like David had where he could be in the wilderness and praise would still roll off his lips? How do we get to that place of living so devoted where we've died to ourselves, and it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me? And I live with a deep awareness of his presence every day. You see, the fear of the Lord actually builds faith in the Lord. You grow in confidence. You could read these verses that I just read and actually own them, know them, experience them. You see, the saints throughout Scripture, those ones that we find encouragement from, those ones that we find inspiration from, they're people just like you and I. They're individuals who found themselves in a lion's den. They're ones who were sold as a slave by their brothers. They're individuals who walked up a mountain to let go of the very blessing that they waited years to receive. They're individuals that have known the shackles of chains around their wrists and ankles as they sit on a cold, hard cement floor. And they're those individuals that have lost so much that grief rips at their soul. These are the saints who have feared the living God. And in fearing God, they've trusted, they've obeyed, they've waited. And in the waiting, in the hardships, in the isolation of those moments, they waited and watched for God to come through. You see, those moments were actually opportunities to see who God was. Those were the moments where you get to actually see a miracle. They didn't approach those difficult situations from a victim mentality, a victim mindset. No, these were actually moments for victory if you would just watch and wait. So they watched and they waited as their victor came over the horizon. As they saw their enemies swallowed up in the ground before their very eyes. As they met the merciful hand of God reaching down to pull them up, to receive them, to love them. You see, it's in the waiting, it's in the watching where the highest form of praises are birthed. It's in those times of watching and waiting. Those are the moments where you actually get to know 
experientially know that God is your refuge. That's where you get to know that he's compassionate. That's where you get to know him as your savior. When you're full of grief because of your sin, that's the moment you get to meet him as your savior. What a glorious moment. It's in these moments that you get to know that he has heard your cry. Not everyone else's, he's heard yours. You cry out, Abba, Daddy, you really are mine. You see, but some of us today have taken the bait of the enemy. Just like how we whispered to Adam and Eve. Or he didn't whisper, he said. Did God really say? And so there's believers all around this world, there's unbelievers who have succumbed to the doubts of God. They've listened to the bait of the enemy. And he succeeded in causing us to doubt the promises, causing us to doubt the truth of scripture. And I pray today that just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, where have I taken that bait? Where am I living in doubt of your promises? Where am I living and not believing that you actually love me? For some of you today, like Abraham, God's asking you to obey. And you're questioning, did God really say that? Is that really what he's asking me to do? Then there's others of you today who you're weighing the cost of discipleship. You're weighing the cost of standing out as a believer in Jesus Christ while everyone else around you bows their knee to an idol and you're left standing exposed and visible. Will you stand with him today? This is not a day to shrink back. This is a day to say that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power to save. So let people bow to idols if they want, but you stand tall and stand loud for his name and for his glory. Some of you today, you're waiting for a promise and you've been waiting a very long time. And maybe some of you have been tempted to create an Ishmael Instead of waiting for the promise, Isaac, I encourage you to continue to watch and wait. And you will grow to be one like David who in the midst of a wilderness doesn't have to try to find a place to worship. You've had so many experiences that build one on top of another of God's faithfulness. That when you're in the wilderness, you can just start praising because you know he's going to come through for you. And so it's not an effort, it's just another opportunity. Wow, God, how are you going to meet me in this situation? I don't see it, but I know you will. And I'm going to trust how you're going to do it. 
and I'm not going to tell you how you should do it. I'm just going to watch and I'm going to wait and I'm going to trust and obey in the meantime. You see, what I love about when we fear God through our circumstances, when we trust, when we obey, that's when we get to watch God come through for us. But it does, it does not stop with receiving his blessings, receiving his protection, receiving his loving kindness or his rescuing. Now you see, fearing the Lord is the doorway to worship because we take those blessings and we take them full circle. Giving praise back to God for what he has done, for how he's rescued you, for how he's met you. a day to taste and see that the Lord is good. 